1: 930 in 716. Good morning. Brian Mazarowski here on WBEN. 65 degrees. We begin this morning in Illinois. The suspected Highland Park Parade shooter known to law enforcement. It appears he had a history of threatening suicide and harming others. Police were called to his home back in September of 2019. Now the investigation showing he posted some disturbing content on social media that went unreported. Justice correspondent Pierre Thomas with more. Despite all these flags, Crema was able to buy the alleged murder weapon and another rifle discovered in the vehicle when they arrested him, police say. Authorities say legally purchased pistols were also recovered in his home. They were purchased after that September incident. I, I don't have the exact dates. Uh, I believe it was in 2020 and 2021. With all the missed signals we've seen today from the suspect's suicide attempt to an alleged threat to kill everyone, this troubled person was still able to legally buy guns. An outpouring of grief in Highland Park, the community coming together last night for a vigil to honor the lives lost.
0: Vice President Kamala Harris in Highland Park visiting with family members and seeing the scene of yet another mass shooting in America face to face. The pain, the suffering, um, this should never have happened. As authorities say, the gunman who unleashed nearly 70 rounds into a crowd of parade goers had planned his attack for weeks and carried out the rampage dressed in women's clothing. And all seven people were killed, more than 30 others injured. And now, this tight knit community struggling to make sense of these murders.
1: We'll continue to be following this story for you here on WBEN. Coming up at six o'clock, we'll be going live to the scene with Alex Stone. Back here in Buffalo, a state Supreme Court judge ruling against a temporary restraining order that halted demolition of the Great Northern Grain Elevator, meaning the building that was damaged during a windstorm last December, can be demolished. Attorney Paul Cambria with what it means.
2: I think that he's found that there is significant evidence, uh,
3: which is neither arbitrary nor capricious, to support the city's um, de- determination that it should be demolished. Now, what he's done is he has denied any sort of interim stay of that action. And he's given the city the opportunity now to move to dismiss the petition uh, by those who are trying to sa- save it, if you will.
1: city of Buffalo had issued a permit to demolish the structure that may now be going forward in the decision. Justice Emilio Coliacovo said the building cannot survive with a huge gaping hole in the northern wall and there could be catastrophic consequences, as he wrote to human life and the public, if the grain elevator would do completely collapse in the winter months. Well, although the Amagon Crematory on Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda has been the focus of nearby residents for years, no permanent solution has been moved on. WBEN's Max Ferry looking at a new effort in Albany to get that facility out of that neighborhood. State lawmakers are trying to move Amagon's crematorium services out of Sheridan with another bill. New York State Senator Sean Ryan breaks it down.
3: The bill would strip away Amagon's permission to operate a crematorium site uh, on Sheridan, where they they currently uh, are. That bill passed the Senate uh, this year, and it's being carried by Assemblymember Conrad uh, in the Assembly, and it will be addressed when we come back uh, next year.
1: Assemblyman Bill Conrad says that they realize there is a high demand and short supply for crematoriums in New York, but they need to relocate to an industrial area.
2: At this point, we've been weighing this business along with the needs of the neighborhood, where they've had several
1: incidents of essentially stack blows and particulate human remains, you know, ash,
2: etc. And uh, although be it not as frequent uh, as as some may think. It's still bothersome and and worrisome for the neighborhood. And I would agree with them that it's time for them to move and continue the business somewhere else.
1: More coverage can be found on our website. I'm Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. Right, so maybe finally a resolution there. The Amagon Crematory on Sheridan Drive again in Tonawanda. We'll hear more from Bill Conrad about that effort to remove it coming up. In uh, just a few moments here on WBEN. Well, are we finally, finally seeing a leveling off of skyrocketing gas prices? WBEN's Brayton Wilson taking a look at the picture now and where we're going
2: in the next few months. After weeks of drastic rises in gas prices across western New York and the rest of the country, there's finally been a dip in the average price for a gallon of regular gasoline at the pumps. The average prices have been on the decrease for the last few weeks. Buffalo average price down about 6 cents a gallon in the last week. Prices a little bit higher, about 5 cents higher than a month ago, but the good news is the decreases will likely continue. That was gas GasBuddy's head of petroleum analysis, Patrick DeHaan. Gas buddy said Tuesday the average price for a gallon of gas in Erie County was at 480 a gallon, with Niagara County averaging 473 per gallon, and the lowest average for a gallon of gas in Western New York being in Chautauqua County at 466. According to AAA on Tuesday, the average price for a gallon of gas in the Buffalo, Niagara Falls region sat at 481 per gallon, which is down from last week's average of 485. While it's a nice sight to see for many drivers of the pumps, that trend could change on a dime with gas prices eventually leveling off or rapidly increasing once more. One factor that always has an effect on gas prices this time of year is the potential threat of hurricanes in the Gulf Coast. Here's more from Chief Oil Analyst with Opus, Denton Singagrana. If we do have a major hurricane that takes out some refining capacity in the Gulf Coast area and not just for, you know, there's a shutdown because of a hurricane in the area and they're able to start, you know, a day or two after the storms pass or the storm veers east or west and it's not a threat and refineries could start relatively quickly. It's one of those ones where you worry about if there's a storm that passes over a refinery and shuts it down for weeks because of damage that's done or flooding etc but for the time being all things being equal i think we, we see prices drop pretty sharply over the next couple of weeks more on the downward trends for gas prices in western new york is available online brayton wilson wben.com news
1: all right brayton thank you uh current average in western new york 480 down a penny from yesterday four cents from a week ago and it's not just here in western new york nationwide trim we'll hear more on that in just about 20 minutes But pretty interesting. We could be reaching the end. Hey, there's a back and forth with the FDA over Juul. The Food and Drug Administration
0: banned Juul sales last month and then a federal appeals court temporarily blocked that ban. The FDA now issuing an administrative stay on the order as it conducts a review of what it says are scientific issues unique to Juul. The agency has required e-cigarette companies prove they're a benefit to the public, an example being they're unlikely to get children hooked and help cigarette smokers reduce or quit smoking. The FDA says the stay and review, though,
1: still does not authorize the vaping company to market Sell or ship jewel products. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. Right, interesting uh, back and forth continuing. We'll see, right, what happens. Well, more than 40 years after he shot President Ronald Reagan and three others, John Hinckley Jr., saying he's sorry for what he did, but is ready to move forward with his life. Hinkley speaking with Juju Chang two weeks after he was released from federal supervision. I had the
0: delusion back in 1981 that by shooting the president, I could impress Jody Foster. Which, to me saying that now, it's, it's ridiculous,
1: but that's what I believed back then. It was in ways like a suicide attempt, just saying this is it, this is the end of my life. I, you know, it is kind of fascinating, though, to listen to him and describe that. All these years later, more than four decades later, about what he was thinking, what was going through his head, and what he thinks about that now. But I you know, I don't know if it's going to be a completely normal life for him. Do you know, Joe, he has a band. He's like an ex- aspiring musician. Yeah, I've heard this. All of his shows have been canceled. Yeah, I saw that. The tour had been canceled. No one seems to want John Hinckley Jr., on the stage.
2: Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. A few clouds around the area this morning becoming partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. Temperatures today in the mid to upper 70s. For tonight, mainly clear and comfortable. Overnight lows near 60. We head into your Thursday partly to mostly sunny with temperatures in the low 80s. Partly cloudy near 80 on Friday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist
1: Araminkowski. We welcome on Dennis Vacco, partner with Lipus Mathias, LLP, former New York State Attorney General and U.S. Attorney here in western New York. Dennis, how are you? Thanks for being on.
3: Good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me.
1: We're looking at this case outside of Chicago, a shooting taking place at a Fourth of July parade. And as more information comes out, it's almost expected by some that we're hearing what we're hearing today, this shooter known to law enforcement had a history of offering up threats to others, to himself. Police even visited his home because of that back in September of 2019. And the question, you know, everybody immediately has is, well, why was something not done? Why was this person still able to buy weapons? Why was he not flagged, detained, something? But you can't just do that without... Proper cause. I, I guess the question is at the start, what rises to the level? I, I mean, how do you make that determination of when something is, I guess, dangerous enough to be flagged or acted upon by law enforcement? And when is it just words that are allowed to be said?
3: Well, first of all, I. I it, it, that standard varies by state Uh, here in New York state there's a a probable cause standard you know is there a probable cause that this individual who who is acting out in a inappropriate fashion may cause a harm in the future now you know there's a couple of of analysis there a couple of standards Uh, first the probable cause standard which is you know is there enough information police officers in New York state Police officers across the nation deal with probable cause standards all the time, probable cause in terms of making an arrest, probable cause uh, regarding the validity of a search warrant or sufficient information to put into a search warrant. Uh, so probable cause is, is a standard that law enforcement regularly uses. But then when you take that standard and apply it to future conduct, because probable cause is, is generally – focused on immediate conduct, you know, or what he has done in the immediate past uh, as a predictor of criminal activity in the future. Uh, But here we're talking about probable cause that somebody who is acting out in a specific way at a specific time may act that way again in the future in a fashion that's harmful or detrimental to his family, friends, or the community. I think it's important to point out that both here in New York Uh, You know, we suffered just recently in this community the the tragedy of a mass shooting uh, in in May. And now uh, here in Illinois, we see a similar and a a horrific event just like we had here in Buffalo. Uh, In both states, there were so-called red flag statutes in place. In other words, uh, those laws that are designed to put a red flag on somebody's record so that when they go to purchase a firearm, in the future, they are the, the red flag is, is, is seen and part of the analysis as to whether or not that individual should be allowed to buy a firearm. In both instances, so you just mentioned, Brian, that the, the defendant in the, in the Illinois case uh, had a, 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 an incident in 2019. Um, we, we know from what happened here in Buffalo that that individual also had a run, and I believe it was uh, at, a, at his local high school but in both instances, the red flags weren't put on his record in Illinois because his parents did not make a formal complaint. Um, New York State has now strengthened within the past several weeks the red flag law so that it now allows the state police, for instance, to, um, uh, to file the complaint so that the red flag statute is, is implicated and not just leaving it in the hands of loved ones or a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend who might have been involved in an alter, earlier altercation.
1: Um, you, you know, I guess part of this and you started on it right there and this would vary, I would imagine, state by state because they're different state laws. When is something red flaggable? Um, and, and I guess a different way of asking that is in these instances, was it the red flag law? that failed us or was it people who had the ability to raise that to make somebody ineligible to purchase a weapon? Uh, Was it the people who didn't go through the red flag process who failed?
3: So I I think that it's, it's both Um, in the, in the instance of this, this shooter now in Illinois, it is clear that when the police were called to, essentially a family disturbance in 2019, that his family, his parents, uh, refused to file a complaint, which would have triggered the red flag law. That, that's part of the problem here in this case, because after that incident in 2019, I think it was in 2020 that he went on and purchased at least four weapons legally legally. That He he was able to purchase those weapons without the, the red flag of the 2019 incident popping up simply because family members did not make uh, the report. So in this instance, at least in, in Illinois, I think it was both the deficiency in the statute and the deficiency in uh, the reporting process. Everybody wants to give their loved one a second chance, a break. In, in the United States, we are all about... Our society is all about a second chance. But in this instance, I think we need to strengthen the red flag laws so that before the individual thinks about purchasing a weapon, that this, the red flag statute is implicated. There's so many people that are opposed to red flag statutes because they view it as a means of the government coming in and seizing what what are otherwise lawful weapons. But if the red flag statute is, implicated, is, is involved and initiated prior to the purchase of weapons, I think we will see it, some measurable impact. Uh,
1: uh, lastly for you, Dennis, how does social media complicate this issue, if at all. Um, You see this, maybe it's an imperfect comparison uh, with uh, lyrics and music. Uh, By the way, we're speaking with Dennis Vaco on WBEM Buffalo, where, you know, you could say, well, uh, the speech is, you know, kind of art. It's not really meant to be taken seriously. On social media, you have so many people saying so many things, oftentimes very outlandish, to get a rise out of somebody, does that complicate things when it comes to you know making threats? How seriously they can be taken, depending on the forum those threats are delivered
3: in. Well, uh, again, it, it's the the threat. Var- I mean, the, the the messaging on social media, and and then consequently the threat varies. In in uh, the the instance of the Buffalo shooter, we saw that individual go down. A deep dark hole of white supremacy on the internet here were were there some suggestion that you know this this so-called rapper was you know descending into a a, a dark abyss you know around violent lyrics so the, the commonality is the internet I'm not in favor of of you know censorship or government trolling the internet to find these people I think that we need to do a better job of recognizing the these these traits these characteristics whether it's in our schools our health care system uh, our you know local police communities and it, which takes us back to the red flag laws if the if the red flag statute had been implicated in Illinois in 2019 a whole year before this guy bought a single weapon he probably would not have been able to lawfully uh, purchase those weapons but the red flag law was was not sufficient enough and the the fact that it required a family member to implicate him is a, is a problem.
0: That's 9:30 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo